guys my name is justin but you can call me jay swag and welcome back to another episode of sports talk with swag appreciate you stopping by giving a listen hanging out with us here today and welcome to maybe part one of two or maybe just a longer episode or maybe just a normal length episode i'm not sure because this is our 2023-24 nba season uh, over unders episode. We did one last year for the first time and I really enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, I always like doing predictions as you know, it's a lot easier to predict match outcomes for pay-per-views for WWE, but it's fun to try to predict how many wins each team is going to get. Um, who's going to win different awards, who's going to win the championship, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I just I think it's fun to do and it's it's a nice way to kind of keep yourself accountable as well because you know I'll be I'll be sending all of these predictions out um on social media as well and so it's fun to kind of see like who who was I like right on the money with who was I totally wrong about you know stuff like that it's just fun so yeah, I don't know if this is going to be multiple parts or just one part because I don't know how long I'm going to talk for. So if I notice that the um, the episode is getting lengthy, then I will cut it uh, into multiple parts to make it more digestible for you guys. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, let us start with the Eastern Conference. So starting us off in the Eastern Conference, we will go with the Atlantic Division first. So at the top, we have Celtics at 54 and a half. And that is the overall number one seed prediction um, made by Vegas. 54 and a half. So it's interesting because, you know, a couple of years ago, we had the Suns winning 60 games in the regular season. Um, typically, if you win over 60 games in an NBA season, that means you are like really good. Um, and it's interesting. The, the parody that is now in the NBA. So, so to say, basically there's just like a lot of good players and a lot of good teams now, especially in the Western conference. Um, which makes the over-unders a lot more difficult to predict going into the season because there's going to be a lot of good teams, but someone's still going to lose uh, that game. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a winner and a loser in each game. And, you know, the good teams are going to play each other and only one of them can win. So, you know, I guess just like a little bit of a forewarning disclosure at the top here that, if I say under for anyone, I mean, I'm going to ex- go and, you know, try to explain my reasoning, but just saying under for any of these doesn't mean I think that they're going to be a bad team. I know that sometimes our minds can default to, you know, 
oh, under, like, oh, he thinks they're going to be a trash team. Like, they're going to be so good. Like, yeah, I think they're going to, you know, maybe I think they're going to be good too, but it's going to be really hard to hit that win total or whatever. So anyways, with that being said, Celtics 54 and a half. I'm going to go over for them, actually. I am kind of all in on the regular season Celtics. Um, You know, luckily these don't involve the playoffs. And it would be a lot more difficult. Like it's a lot harder for me to predict who's going to make it to the finals this year because like you have a team like the Celtics who were really good last year. Um, Tatum looked like an MVP. Um, You know, Al Horford was playing way better than anyone was expecting him to, but they kind of needed him to, which was good. Um, They just, they had some, some good moments, but then they really kind of faltered in the playoffs, you know, giving up multiple series leads in the playoffs and, you know, going down 3-0 to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals um, before storming back, but then playing like absolute garbage in Game 7. You know, obviously Tatum spraining his ankle did not help, but the rest of the team just played like absolute trash. Um and Jalen Brown just like completely disappeared in the playoffs. So, you know, I think they're going to be a really good regular season team. They usually stay pretty healthy throughout, you know, adding Drew Holiday is a huge, huge bump for them. He's definitely a massive upgrade over Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart. Um, you know, they lose Robert Williams, but how dependable was he really? I mean, he, I don't think he even played 40 games last year in the regular season. So then they take the gamble on adding Kristaps Porzingis, which if he remains healthy will be very beneficial for them. But that's kind of the key is that he hasn't been able to stay super healthy really at all his entire career so far. Um, You'd like to imagine that he'll fit in well with this team just because Drew Holiday is uh, a pretty selfless player. So he's happy to get his teammates involved. Um, you would like to see a little more playmaking from Tatum this year, I think, at least personally. Um, seemed like there was a little too many possessions, especially in the playoffs last year, where he kind of just almost pulled a James Harden and just like kind of dribbled the ball for 20 seconds and then took a step back three, um, which he has improved in his three-point shooting, but that's just not good offense, especially in the playoffs. So all that being said, though, I think they're going to remain healthy enough to be the number one seed in the East. Um, I think they're going to win the Atlantic division. So 54 and a half, I am taking them over. All right, next up, we got the 76ers at 47 and a half. Now, as of recording on October 19th at 2.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the 2023rd year of our Lord, um, James Harden has not been with the team since Sunday which was what, the 14th? Uh, let's see, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15th. He hasn't moved the team since the 15th. Um, he's only participated in one scrimmage. He's missed most of their practices uh, since originally showing up the first day of training camp. Um, uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst who said yesterday this is just the beginning of what he intends to do in Philadelphia. Um, This coming after he showed up for media day saying he intends to play 
Um, he's not happy. He has no relationship with Daryl Moore anymore, but he will still play. Um, and it's just, it's been a ride, you know, because I think over the summer, it was just like everyone was gearing up for preseason and the beginning of the season, I'm just like, oh boy, I can't wait for this, you know, just to kind of some, some men like to watch the world burn, Master Wayne. Um, and I think a lot of people were excited for the downfall of James Harden in the 76ers. What is he going to do? We've seen, you know, alleged fat suits. We've seen partying in Vegas. We've seen strip clubs. We've seen just intentionally playing poorly on the court for his way to uh, force his way out of two teams previously. So it's like, all right, what is he going to do now? Um, and then he like shows up for training cam- or for media day, uh, which was a surprise. And he's like answering questions and being what seems to be honest and saying he's going to play. And so it's like, oh, okay, I guess maybe someone finally got to him and was like, hey, man, if you want to be able to trade, get yourself traded, you need to show up and play well or else no one's going to want you. And then he shows up for day one of training camp. He's participating in practice and in the scrimmage. And you're just like, all right, I guess he's just going to kind of pull the Kevin Durant where you request the trade, but then you keep playing anyway because you love basketball too much, which I don't think anyone is expecting from him. Uh, And then he hasn't shown up since. So now we're looking like, all right, we're kicking into gear here now. We're going to start getting some shenanigans going. The season starts next week. TBD if he shows up or plays for their game and what he looks like in that game. Uh, So all that to say, I don't see that ending anytime soon. Um, forty-seven and a half. I think. Oh man, this is tough. But I think I'm going to go under. Actually, uh, I just like. I have a lot of respect for Joel Embiid. He has a great story. I'm happy that he won MVP. Even though after he won it, everyone was like, "Okay, but like, so we can go back to." to just knowing that Jokic is the best player in the NBA though, right? Um, you know, just a classic, this is a regular season award moment. Um, but, you know, I'm happy for him. I respect him. I think he's a really good player. I think if he stays healthy, you're guaranteed, you know, 45 to 50 wins, which is, you know, 47 and a half is right in there. But with Harden being Harden now and wanting out, you can't trust him at all. And I have to be honest, I don't trust Embiid to stay as healthy this year as he did last year. So I think he's going to miss more time. And then, you know, at that point you're relying on Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris to get you wins, which I just don't necessarily trust them to do. Um, we have Nick Nurse as the head coach now. We'll see how that goes. I don't know like if that's really going to in the regular season make any sort of a difference or impact as opposed to Doc Rivers, like maybe we'll see it evidenced in the playoffs. Um but I don't know. I just the 76ers are a team that I trust less than most teams and it's just been a relatively dysfunctional organization. Um, this is the second player now that they've had give up and quit on their team and want out and cause drama. 
Um, I feel really bad for Joel Embiid. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I'm going under. I think they'll probably. I think they're definitely still going to have a winning record. So I think they'll. I think they'll end up right around 45. So this is one of those like barely unders. But I just 48. I think is too much to rely on Harden and Embiid to both be healthy, play, you know, with 100% passion and effort and all that stuff. I just don't trust the tandem. So I'm going under. Next up is the Knicks at 45 and a half. And uh, this is similar to the Sixers, but going the other way where I'm going over, but I'm going like barely over. I think they're going to get like, actually, I could see them actually getting like 48 wins. I could see them being like a sneaky four seed, maybe potentially even a three seed. I think it's not really up for debate that the Celtics and Bucks will be competing for the number one. They're coming for that number one spot. Um, Shout out Ludacris. Um, Anyways, I think they could be a sneaky three seed. I don't think they're going to be that good, but you know, we're getting rumblings of Carl Anthony Towns trades, which I, I can't even tell you how much I don't want that to happen. Uh, as a casual Knicks fan, uh, I just, I don't like Cat. I don't trust him. I don't think he's good in the playoffs. I think he makes really poor decisions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't want him on my team if I was a team that was in trade rumors with him and being a casual Knicks fan, that is me now. So I don't want that. And I, I, I did a little thought exercise this morning of like, let's just say the Knicks like core remains the same. So, you know, they keep um, Brunson and RJ Barrett and um, let's say, cause it's like, yeah, like you have to think who would they, who would the Knicks get rid of to get towns? My logic is like, keep everyone that you can, but like get like, try to dump Julius Randall on them. Um, and basically like, cause then it's like, all right, so you're essentially replacing Randall with towns. I just don't like, they're not going to do that trade. Cause I don't think the Knicks, I haven't looked at it. I don't think they have a ton of picks. So they're going to have to include either like an RJ Barrett or like quickly and Grimes and like Mitchell Robinson or something like that. And it's like, at that point, it's just like, I don't think it's worth it. I'd rather have those guys and what they contribute, uh, as opposed to, Carl Anthony Towns. So hoping they stay away from him. But all that being said, you know, his name is swirling. So it's like they could could see a decent shakeup in their roster. But I think I think they'll they'll be good. I think they'll be better than last year. You know, RJ Barrett coming off of a, a decent run with Team Canada in the FIBA World Cup. Brunson coming off of a relatively disappointing run, which you know, you would imagine will probably motivate him. Julius Randle just signed a deal with uh, Skechers, I believe. So he's got a nice new shoe deal coming. Um, Mitchell Robinson looked really good in the playoffs, at least against the Cavs. I mean, everyone looked good against the Cavs on that that series. But um, I don't know. I just think the East is kind of wide open from the three seed and below. 
And so I think this is a Knicks team that could really capitalize on that. Um, so I have them getting right around like 47, 48 wins. So I'm going over for the Knicks. Um, next up, we have the Brooklyn Nets. And they're, this like surprised me. Um, but they're at 37 and a half. And I'm like, I don't want to say I'm smashing the under because I do like a bunch of players on that team, but I, I'm definitely taking the under. Right? Like, even if we get all star, you know, all NBA, first team all defense, Ben Simmons back on the court, you're pairing him with. Mikhail Bridges, who I love, you know this. If you don't, you haven't listened to the show very much or you haven't seen my office. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is one of my favorite players in the NBA right now. I think he might actually win most improved player this year, but more on that later. Um, but so it's like, it's 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 Ben Simmons, Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, you know, Cam Johnson, who I also like from my son's days. Nick Claxton, uh, it's all—it's a bunch of players I like, but they're all young and they're all just like good complementary players, which sometimes those kind of teams can be sneaky good in the regular season. You know, they're not going to make much noise in the playoffs. I don't think anyone is expecting that from the Nets, but they could be one of those teams that like ekes out like 43, 44 wins and it's like a five or a six seed because everyone's unselfish, everyone's a, a role player and they're just trying to get wins, they're trying to prove themselves, whatever. But I also just don't know how much I trust Ben Simmons. And I don't know if I've actually ever gone on the record on this podcast saying this or not, but I will now. I like Ben Simmons um, as a player. I won't speak on him as a person just because I don't know him. I like him as a player and I've kind of always erred on the side of like, I hope he does well. I want him to do well. Everyone needs to like leave him alone and, you know, you just wait kind of thing. So every, you know, the past three years when it's been like, oh, Ben Simmons looking great. He's feeling healthier than ever. And then it's not amounted to anything. He gets absolutely clowned, rightfully so. I'm not saying it's unjustified. But every year I'm just like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, I still believe in him. I still believe in Ben Simmons. And I think I think he could do some special stuff on the court, especially with this Nets team. Um, you know, setting up Mikhail Bridges, getting Cam Johnson open for threes, get some pick and rolls with Claxton, some post-up stuff, running through uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know. I just, it's tough, like, at their best, they're like a cheeky like six seed with like 42 through 43 wins. But history says these teams don't do very well and they need some sort of a superstar. And Mikhail Bridges may be turning into that player for them this season. Um, so we'll see. But I'm taking the under, though. I think they're going to be right around like 32, 33 wins. I think they'll make some noise in like the beginning of the season, this is my guess. They're going to start off like kind of hot, not like 2022-23 Utah Jazz hot, but they're going to start off hot enough where everyone's like, the Nets, whoa, look out for them. Like, hey. 
Uh, but then it's going to cool down fairly quickly by by the new year. Um, and by the All-Star break, they'll be out of the playoff picture. But I don't know. Watch out for them. They could be a sneaky like league pass team, fun to watch, uh, could string some wins together kind of team. But for this uh, exercise, I'm taking the under. And finally, rounding out the Atlantic division, we have the Toronto Raptors at 36 and a half. And it pains me to do this because, I don't know, I just, for whatever reason, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Raptors. I just always want them to do well. But I don't think they're going to do well. I think I'm I'm taking the under for them. I just, Scotty Barnes had a massive drop off after his rookie of the year campaign. I like Pascal a lot, but he's, I just like, he's been on the, the trade rumors for them for like two straight years now. And I feel like they may try to make enough noise that they actually end up trading him this year uh, at the deadline and just kind of go into relative rebuild mode. You know, you have Scotty Barnes, um, they lost Fred Van Vliet and replaced him with Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, I like Dennis Schroeder. He had a great World Cup, but like Patty Mills had a great Olympic run to the gold medal game a couple years ago, and like he didn't do anything for the Nets last year. So, you know, got to be careful to not be fooled by the World Cup, you know, and, and thinking someone's going to be great in the NBA because of it. Um I mean, who else do they even have on that team? I can't even think. Like OG Ananobi, who is apparently completely untouchable by the Raptors, and like they wouldn't even consider putting him in a trade for Kevin Durant. Um or Drew Holiday or Damian Lillard. So that's just like kind of weird. Um but I I'm taking the under for them. I just I don't have enough faith in this team and they have a new coach now. I don't remember who it is. I don't remember who they replaced Nick Nurse with, but I just, I don't know. I just, I don't have a, a lot of faith in them. I need to see more from Scotty Barnes. Truder is a clear downgrade from Fred Van Vliet. And I think Pascal is going to get dealt soon enough. If they, especially if they don't start off too hot. So we'll see what happens, but I'm taking the under for them. Alrighty, coming up next, we got the Central Division. <clears throat> kind of a spicy one this year. If I'm if I'm being honest with you guys, I think it's gonna be spicy. All right, starting us off, the Bucks at 53 and a half. Taking the over. Um I think listen, I talked about the Dame trade and how that's gonna affect them. I think it's gonna make them a great regular season team. I think both he and Giannis will miss some time, though, as well as Middleton. So that's why I'm not smashing the over button. But I think, you know, 55, 56, not impossible. Even 54 would put them at over, which I think is when you have Giannis, and if he stays, you know, if he plays 80% of the season, you're kind of, you're, you're, you should feel confident in getting 50 wins. So they just need to get four more there. Um, and I think... 
Lillard being there helps them out. Um, if they continue to be the defensive dominating team that they were last year, obviously no Drew Holiday anymore does not help that. But you know they still have Giannis, who a lot of people are picking for Defensive Player of the Year. You have Brooke Lopez, who finished in the top three last year. Um, Bobby Portis still doing Bobby Portis things off the bench. Um, and now they got Dame time. So I'm taking the over for them. I'm always going to probably take the over unless it's like 60 and a half, uh, just because as, as long as Giannis is there, I feel pretty confident in them being a top two or three seed. And with the issues that the Sixers are having with the rebuild mode that like, a lot of teams in the East are in. Um, I just think it's going to be relatively easy for the Bucks to lock down that number two seed and getting 55, 56 wins. Um, yeah, so I, I'm taking the over for them. I think that's a pretty easy one, I think, for a lot of people. Next up, the Cavaliers at 50 and a half. And I'm taking the under here. Um I was really, really disappointed with the Cavs in the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, not like I was a fan of them or rooting for them, but I was just like, wait, that's it? Like, that was your postseason? That's, like, not good. Um, And so that kind of just, like, left a sour taste in my mouth coming into this season, And I like definitely lost some trust in them and they have to get it back. You know, like you have to build back that trust with me because right now I'm in a spot where I just don't think I can trust you anymore. And, um, sorry, I hope that wasn't triggering for anyone. (laughs) Um, anyways, Cavs 15 and a half. I just think that's kind of lofty for them. Like I don't see the Cavs as the three seed in the East. I see them being, like a 47 win team fourth seed at, at like at best. Um, and it's not like they lost anything. Like they still have Garland. They still have Donovan Mitchell. They have Mobley another year in, they still have Jared Allen. Um, they re-signed Karis Levert. Um, so not a, not a bad team, but I just don't think they're 51 wins. Good. So I'm taking the under there again, not smashing it, but I'm taking the under. Um, next up, we have the Pacers at 38 and a half. This one was a close one because it's really hard to tell if they're like where they're at and what the Pacers goal is for this season. Obviously they have Halliburton who's going to get you some wins. He's not going to get you 50 wins, but he'll get you 25 wins. Um, and he's going to just, you know, be even better coming off of a great Team USA run in the FIBA World Cup. But then it's like Buddy Heald is really sounding like they're trying to to get rid of him. And I think he's going to be the kind of player that you deal to like a contender. And so they're not going to be getting like great pieces back. Like they're probably going to be getting some picks back. Um and just like role players. So then it's like, all right, so you're kind of just relying then on like Halliburton and what, like Benedict Matherin in year two and Miles Turner. 
you know, nothing against Miles Turner, but like, I mean, who else do you have? Like O'Shea Brissett, you know, uh, Chris Duarte. I think they still have him or maybe they, no, I think they traded him. So they have Andrew Nimhard instead. I don't know. It's just like, I just don't think the Pacers really know what they want to do and what their goal is for this season. I think they like are trying to get rid of Buddy Heald, which is just like kind of automatically going to be a downgrade for what they're going to get back for him most likely. So I just don't see them being that great. And 38 and a half is under 500. I just think they're going to be closer to like 33, 32 wins. So I'm taking the under for them just because I, I really like Halliburton. I want him to succeed. I have nothing against the Pacers, but it's just like, I don't know. I don't see this team as, you know, sneaking into the play-in or like, I mean, maybe they'll sneak into like, at like the 10 seed. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't have enough faith in them. So I'm taking the under. All right. Next up in the central division, we have the Chicago bulls coming in at 37 and a half. This one was a pretty easy under for me. Um, they got Lonzo Ball out for the year, possibly out forever. They re-signed Vucevic, who I just, he's not going to, I mean, I guess, I don't know, like he'll get a done for you in the regular season and put up some some empty stats. But like this is like one of those teams where it's like definitely don't trust them in the playoffs at all if they even make it there. But that's not what this is about. This is about them getting over or under 37 and a half wins. And I just feel like 38 is kind of out of reach for them. Like DeMar DeRozan's, what, 34 now? Um, He's still a mid-range guy in a three-point world. Um, I mean, are are you going to rely on the defense of Alex Caruso and the the whatever you want to – attribute to Patrick Beverly to carry you to 38 wins. I guess maybe they could, but I don't know. I just like, I have more faith in like the nets who are at 37 and a half as well than I do the bulls. And I took the under on the nets. I just don't trust the bulls at all. Um, You know, they had that hot start when they first traded for DeMar. Uh, but then, you know, by the all-star um, break, they were kind of faltering and then the injuries started happening. And then, you know, the rest is history. They made it to, what was that? That were they that I can't remember if they were the eighth seed last year. I just remember that they played the heat in the plane and lost. I can't remember. I think. Gosh, I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. I'm taking the under for the bulls. I just, I don't have faith in them. I, you know, Lonzo's not playing Vucevic. I just don't think he's that guy. So you're relying on a lot on DeMar DeRozan who is out of his, you know, depth in this 
NBA world. You got Patrick Beverly, Alex Caruso, what, like Patrick Williams, Kobe White. I mean, it's like, it's, they're not bad players, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't see them getting 38 wins. So I'm taking the under. Uh, and then rounding us out in the Central Division, the Pistons at 27 and a half wins. And I'm, uh, I'm taking the over on them. I'm, I'm kind of uh, pretty bullish on the Pistons this season. I just think they were a team who, you know, last season, I think they like they were planning on being better than they ended up being, and like that was their goal, you know, and they were making strides for it um, until Cade got hurt and missed basically the rest of the season. But I mean, they have some really nice. I mean, you know, a lot of young players, but they got some really nice pieces. They got Cade obviously coming in to year three. We got Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, um, Killian Hayes, maybe taking a step this year. Um, who else? They got Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley, um, James Wiseman. Again, it's like it's like a similar feeling like team to like the pieces that like the Bulls have but they're only projected for 27 and a half. And it feels like this is easily a 30 win team. And I think they could have been last season as well, but again, Cade got hurt. So obviously this relies on Cade staying healthy and being able to play, you know, 65 to 75 games for them, which isn't nothing, but I have, uh, I have more faith in him staying healthy as a young guy. Um, and just the upside that he has, I see, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be a 45 win playoff team, but I definitely think that they were like planning on being better. Like, and they, like they were intending to be taking the season seriously and not trying to just kind of low key tank last season uh, until K got hurt. And I was like, all right, let's just try to get another good draft pick. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, they also have, Asar Thompson, I think, or Amen. I think Amen's on the Rockets. So, yeah, I think they have Asar, um, who's another great player as well. Um, and is very much NBA-ready coming from over Overtime Ignite or whatever, Overtime Elite, whatever that team was. But, yeah, so I, I, I like the Pistons this year. I would I actually, honestly, if, you know, if I was a betting guy, I would lock the Pistons for the over here. That's kind of the most confident I am of anyone in the Eastern conference so far. Cause 27 and a half is really low. That's like one, two tied for the second lowest win total. And I have more faith in them than that. So again, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be uh, a playoff team, maybe not even a play in team. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I think they could end up being better than the Pacers and the Bulls. Um, so they could sneak in at like an eight or nine seed. Who knows? We'll see. But um, yeah, so I'm going over for the Pistons here. All right. And then rounding out the Eastern Conference here with the Southeastern Division, we have the Miami Heat leading the way at 44 and a half wins. Um which you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, weren't they just in the finals last year? And 
one shot away from the East from the finals the year before that, and then missed the playoffs the year before that. And then we're in the finals the year before that. And they're only projected for 44 and a half wins. Yes. Because I'm pretty sure last year they only won like 44 or 45 games. They were the eight seed. Um, I believe they were initially the seven seed lost the first playing game. Uh, I think to the Hawks who then claimed the seven seed and then the heat won against the bulls to be the eight seed. Um, so they barely snuck in. They, they, you know, as we've come to really be accustomed to with this heat team is they sleepwalk through the regular season because they know with the combination of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero, you're going to get to 42 wins. And typically, if you're above 500 in the Eastern Conference recently, that means you're in the playoffs, at least the play-in. So I think this year, the the odds, the Vegas people have finally kind of caught on. I mean, they were the number one seed two years ago, but significant drop-off last year. I mean, injuries help. Um, they're a different team than last year, than the finals team from last year, as, you know, they lost Max Struess. They lost Gabe Vincent. Um, they struck out on Damian Lillard. Um, you have Tyler Hero now, who knows for sure that he has been on the trading block for basically a year now, and the Heat were really trying to offload him. But he did say, you know, he was happy to not be in Portland and happy to be in Miami. So seems like he's handling that well. But he had a great year last year. Um, so, yeah, I just think they're guaranteed to get you at least 42 wins. I think 44 and a half is a little low for them, especially just looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference next year. Um, I just have enough confidence in this team and in that coach of Eric Spolstra to get them to at least 45 wins. So I'm taking the over for the heat. It's not a big over, but it's over enough to get them over 44 and a half. And then next up the Hawks at 41 and a half. This one was actually really hard for me. I went back and forth. I originally had them as under, um, And like, I'm still not convinced that they'll be over 41 and a half, but I'm taking the over. And I like, I, yeah, I just, I don't feel confident because it's just like, I don't like Trey young as a player. I don't really like him as a person either, but I don't like him. I don't like his play style. I don't like how he and DeJounte Murray play off of each other or the lack thereof. I don't think that was a smart pairing to be made. Uh, they finally dumped John Collins. Um, but like, I don't even remember what they got in return. I don't even remember what team he's on now. Is he on the jazz? Like, I don't remember like who they traded him to or who they got back. So nothing significant. You know, they got bogey coming off of a great world cup run. Um, which is good. And he's he's been consistent and reliable in the NBA, but I don't know. It's just like, it's not that reliable. You know, is Clint Capella going to stay healthy? Um, is a Kongwu going to stay healthy? Or 
if he does, is he going to like make that jump to be a reliable starting center in today's NBA? Um, I don't know. I just think they kind of have almost all of their eggs in the Trey Young basket with like three of them in DeJounte Murray's basket and like a cracked one in Bogey's basket. And I just don't think Trey is nearly reliable enough, especially with his shooting percentages. And I know that like some people are kind of like, Oh, like it's, it's just like, it's a fad now to just like hate Trey young. And like, I don't not like him because of his like embracing the villain role. I think that's fine. Like whatever, that doesn't really bother me. I don't care about that. It's just like, I just don't think his play style wins meaningful games. And I think at the end of the day, that's why I took the over. Let me explain. Because he'll win you a lot of meaningless games in the regular season. And I think there'll be enough of those to get them to be right at 500 at 42 wins. You know? Um, I think it would be incredibly easy for one thing to go wrong. You know, either he or DeJounte Murray, you know, sprains an ankle, dislocates a finger, and misses 20 games, then all of a sudden they're, you know, sitting at 20 and 30 at the uh, All-Star break, and they're not looking too hot. But I just think the players that they that they have on that team are good enough to get you just to 500, um, but then, like, again, aren't really going to make any real noise in the playoffs. So I'm taking the over for the Hawks. Uh, the Magic at 37 and a half. This one is really just like how much do you believe in the young players of Orlando, right? Because you got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, um, Markel Fultz, Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner, Paolo, um, I think that's kind of it. I'm trying to remember if they have anyone else of note. Not that I can remember. Like, I think they got Jingles, which is, like, cool, like a veteran locker room, uh, you know, experience there for them, presence. But it's just, like, I don't think that's enough to take them to 38 wins. I think they'll be at, like, 35, 34 but I still think they're going to miss out on the play-in. I just think, like, I, I like Franz Wagner a lot. And I like Paolo, but Paolo is still, like, the, the, the World Cup, for me, kind of removed the rose-tinted glasses for me of the the flaws, the inexperience, and the... Um, lack of maturity in his game. You know, I was enamored is too strong of a word, but I really liked him last year. Um, I thought he was a worthy rookie of the year, but coming into year two and off of this FIBA World Cup run where he got kind of exposed a little bit, um, not like a very reliable defender, not a great shooter and likes to shoot the ball. And most importantly, I think is still just a little bit 
on the college ball um, play style of playing a little bit too much hero ball, which doesn't you know particularly work in the NBA in the long run, but especially when you have teammates like Franz Wagner, like Cole Anthony, like Markel Fultz, who can really help you and benefit from moving the ball a little more. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I'm not trying to turn this into like, oh, Paolo's a fraud. Cause I still really like him and he's still really good, but I just think 38 wins for them is a little too lofty of a goal. So I'm taking the under for the magic again. I think they will be, they will be over 30 wins for sure. I think they're going to be towing the line and getting pretty close to 38, but I think they're going to just miss it. Uh, and then that leads to the. Charlotte Hornets at 31 and a half. And I have them. I'm t- like, I have written down that I'm taking the under. And I think that's the right call. But like, part of me is like, I don't know. Maybe they can string it together enough to like make some noise for the play in. But that just relies so much on Gordon Hayward, A, being healthy the entire season, and B, playing like his old Utah self, which we haven't seen in four or five years. Um, I mean, we saw shades of it last year, but again, he just couldn't stay healthy. That also relies on LaMelo Ball taking some fairly large steps in his maturity of his game, which I don't trust as well as him staying healthy, which I don't know if I can trust either. Um, and then, you know, Kai Jones causing issues and he's off the team now. Um, and they have what James book night, uh, maybe miles bridges, maybe not like that's the whole thing. Now is what they just, this team has a lot of like drama that I think can take away from their playing better. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, they, they, they lost Kelly Oubre as well. So you got a bunch of guards, you know, you got LaMelo, you got book Knight, you got Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. And then who else? Whether they got like Mark Williams, uh, did they sign anyone this offseason? I can't think. I don't know. Like, part of me is like 32 wins. Like, I think they can eke that out. But the other part of me is like, I don't know. All it takes is like Gordon Hayward injuring his elbow again or his injuring his foot again or injuring his back again. And he's going to miss 20 games. And then before you know it, they're on, you know, they're 3 and 12 in their last 15 games, you know, heading into the new year. So I just think this is one of the more dysfunctional franchises as of recent. So I'm going to take the under for them. I'm going to stick with what I said initially. I'll take the under. And then finally, rounding out the Eastern Conference and the Southeastern Division, we have the Washington Wizards sitting very low, the very lowest of all the teams, the very bottom, 23 and a half. And guess what, folks? I'm taking the under. This is a team that has no desire to win. This is a team that has no need to win. 
This is a team that the ownership and front office don't want to win. This is a team that also consists of a decent amount of empty stats guys who will happily go for career bests in every game. Um, We've heard the jokes, but we may see some records broken for field goals attempted per game and in a season by Jordan Poole this year. Um, I think he's just going to try to get as many stats as he can for himself on this team, and I think that's what he's kind of there for. You know, sell some jerseys, entertain the fans that decide to spend their hard-earned money to go watch this team, and he'll probably put up about 30 a game, if I had to guess. But, I mean, you got Poole, you got Corey Kispert, you got Kyle Kuzma, who I do like, and they just re-signed him, got his... He got his money, so they may be trying to hold on to him for the future, make him a cornerstone. But if Kyle Kuzma is your cornerstone, you're not going to be winning a ton of games. Um, no more KP. And then Daniel Gafford, I think. So, yeah. I'm taking the under here. I think they'll sit. They may not even make it to 20 wins. I'm, I'll be so bold as to say they may not even make it to 20 wins. I do think they're going to be looking at the worst record next season. Um, yeah, I'm taking the under for them. So that is uh, the over-unders for the Eastern Conference, and I've just decided right now we are going to break this up into two episodes, two parts, because this first one we're coming in close to 50 minutes, and I don't want to make this a two-hour episode um, like I said, want to make this more digestible for you guys. So those are my predictions for the Eastern Conference uh, win totals next or this coming season, starting you know next week. Um, be on the lookout for part two. It will be out very shortly after part one. Um, I will try to get it out before the season officially starts. Um, but yeah, so let me know what you think. I would love to see get your over-unders so hit me up uh sports talk with swag at gmail.com uh sports talk with swag on instagram and facebook twitter is stws cast make sure you follow us on all of those social medias um subscribe to the show anywhere you get anywhere you can leave a five-star rating or i will predict an under for you for your wins totals for this upcoming season and I want you to get a lot of wins you know I like when people are winning in life so just give us the five stars and uh, that'll be that so with that being said I want to thank you guys for listening and for hanging out with me today and I will see you guys in the next episode peace it's sports talk with swear